Welcome to Just Listen, a celebration of literature from Nashville Public Library. For more stories and poetry, visit our website at library.nashville.org. Please feel free to leave a comment or to make requests or recommendations. And now, for today's selection. We complete our examination of English Romantic poetry with the special edition here of Lycidas by John Milton. Although written before the Romantic period in English literature, its importance as an elegy often compared to Shelley's Adonais is worthy of our best attention. For an American version of the elegy, listen to Walt Whitman's When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed, here on Just Listen. Poetry Panoply Three is comprised of the following poems. Lycidas by John Milton Adonais, An Elegy on the Death of John Keats by Percy Bysshe Shelley Ode to the West Wind by Percy Bysshe Shelley And Hymn to Intellectual Beauty by Percy Bysshe Shelley Poetry Panoply Three We Begin Lycidas by John Milton Yet once more, O ye laurels, and once more, ye myrtles brown with ivy never sear, I come to pluck your berries harsh and crude, and with forced fingers rude shatter your leaves before the mellowing year. Bitter constraint and sad occasion dear compels me to disturb your season due. For Lycidas is dead, dead ere his prime, young Lycidas, and hath not left his peer. Who would not sing for Lycidas? He knew himself to sing and build the lofty rhyme. He must not float upon his watery beer unwept, and welter to the parching wind, without the meed of some melodious tear. Begin then, sisters of the sacred well, that from beneath the seat of Jove doth spring. Begin, and somewhat loudly sweep the string. Hence with denial vain and coy excuse. So may some gentle muse with lucky words favor my destined urn, and as he passes turn and bid fair peace be to my sable shroud. For we were nursed upon the selfsame hill, fed the same flock by fountain, shade, and rill, together both ere the high lawns appeared under the opening eyelids of the morn, we drove afield, and both together heard what time the gray fly winds her sultry horn, battening our flocks with the fresh dews of night, oft till the star that rose at evening bright toward heaven descent had sloped his westering wheel. Meanwhile the rural ditties were not mute, tempered to the oaten flute, rough satyrs danced and fawns with cloven heel, from the glad sound would not be absent long and old Demaetus loved to hear our song. But, oh, the heavy change, now thou art gone, now thou art gone, and never must return. Thee, shepherd, thee the woods and desert caves, with wild thyme and gadding vine overgrown, and all their echoes mourn. The willows and the hazel copses green shall now no more be seen fanning their joyous leaves to thy soft lays. As killing as the canker to the rose, or taint-worm to the weanling herds that graze, or frost to flowers that their gay wardrobe wear when first the white thorn blows, such, Lycidas, thy loss to shepherd's ear. Where were ye, nymphs? 
when the remorseless deep closed o'er the head of your loved Lycidas. For neither were ye playing on the steep where your old bards, the famous druids, lie, nor on the shaggy top of Mona high, nor yet where Diva spreads her wizard stream. Ay, me, I fondly dream had ye been there, for what could that have done? What could the muse herself that Orpheus bore, the muse herself for her enchanting son, whom universal nature did lament, when by the route that made the hideous roar his gory visage down the stream was sent, down the swift Hebrus to the lesbian shore? Alas, what boots it with incessant care to tend the homely, slighted shepherd's trade and strictly meditate the thankless muse? Were it not better done, as others use, to sport with Amaryllis in the shade or with the tangles of Naira's hair? Fame is the spur that the clear spirit doth raise, that last infirmity of noble mind, to scorn delights and live laborious days. But the fair guerdon when we hope to find and think to burst out into sudden blaze, comes the blind fury with the abhorred shears, and slits the thin-spun life. But not the praise, Phoebus replied, and touched my trembling ears. Fame is no plant that grows on mortal soil, nor in the glistering foil set off to the world, nor in broad rumor lies, but lives and spreads aloft by those pure eyes and perfect witness of all judging Jove as he pronounces lastly on each deed, of so much fame in heaven expect thy meed. O fountain Arethuse, and thou honored flood, smooth-sliding Mincius crowned with vocal reeds, that strain I heard was of a higher mood, but now my oat proceeds and listens to the herald of the sea that came in Neptune's plea. He asked the waves and asked the felon winds, what hard mishap hath doomed this gentle swain? And questioned every gust of rugged wings that blows from off each beaked promontory. They knew not of his story, and sage Hippotides their answer brings, that not a blast was from his dungeon strayed. The air was calm, and on the level brine sleek Panope with all her sisters played. It was that fatal and perfidious bark, built in the eclipse and rigged with curses dark, that sunk so low that sacred head of thine. Next Camus, reverend sire, went footing slow, his mantle hairy and his bonnet sedge, inwrought with figures dim, and on the edge like to that sanguine flower inscribed with woe. Ah, who hath reft, quoth he, my dearest pledge? Last came and last did go, the pilot of the Galilean lake, Two massy keys he bore of metals twain, The golden opes, the iron shuts amain. He shook his mitred locks and stern bespake, How well could I have spared for thee, young swain, Enow of such as for their belly's sake Creep and intrude and climb into the fold. Of other care they little reckoning make Than how to scramble at the shearer's feast And shove away the worthy bidden guest. Blind mouths! that scarce themselves know how to hold a sheep-hook, or have learned aught else the least that to the faithful herdman's art belongs. What wrecks it them? What need they? They are sped, and when they list, their lean and flashy songs grate on their scrannel pipes of wretched straw. The hungry sheep look up, and are not fed, 
but swollen with wind and the rank mist they draw, rot inwardly, and foul contagion spread. Besides what the grim wolf with privy paw daily devours apace, and nothing said, but that two-handed engine at the door stands ready to smite once, and smite no more. Return, Altheus, the dread voice is past that shrunk thy streams. Return, Sicilian muse, and call the veils, and bid them hither cast their bells and flowerets of a thousand hues. Ye valleys low, where the mild whispers use of shades and wanton winds and gushing brooks, on whose fresh lap the swart star sparely looks, throw hither all your quaint enameled eyes, that on the green turf suck the honeyed showers and purple all the ground with vernal flowers. Bring the wraith primrose that forsaken dies, the tufted crow-toe and pale jessamine, the white pink and the pansy freaked with jet, the glowing violet, the musk-rose and the well-attired woodbine, with cowslips wan that hang the pensive head, and every flower that sad embroidery wears. Bid Amaranthus all his beauty shed, and daffodillies fill their cups with tears, to strew the laureate hearse where Lycid lies. For so to interpose a little ease, let our frail thoughts dally with false surmise. Ay, me, whilst thee the shores and sounding seas wash far away, where'er thy bones are hurled, whether beyond the stormy Hebrides, where thou perhaps under the whelming tide visitest the bottom of the monstrous world, or whether thou, to our moist vows denied, sleepest by the fable of Belarus old, where the great vision of the guarded mount looks toward Namancos and Bayano's hold. Look homeward, angel, now, and melt with Ruth, and, O ye dolphins, waft the hapless youth. Weep no more, woeful shepherds, weep no more, for Lycidas your sorrow is not dead, sunk though he be beneath the watery floor. So sinks the day-star in the ocean-bed, and yet anon repairs his drooping head, and tricks his beams, and with new-spangled ore flames in the forehead of the morning sky. So Lycidas sunk low, but mounted high through the dear might of him that walked the waves, where other groves and other streams along, with nectar pure his oozy locks he laves, and hears the unexpressive nuptial song, is the blessed kingdom's meek of joy and love. There entertain him all the saints above, in solemn troops, and sweet societies that sing, and singing in their glory move, and wipe the tears forever from his eyes. Now, Lycidas, the shepherds weep no more. Henceforth thou art the genius of the shore, in thy large recompense, and shalt be good to all that wander in that perilous flood. Thus sang the uncouth swain to the oaks and rills, while the still morn went out with sandals gray. He touched the tender stops of various quills, with eager thought warbling his Doric lay. And now the sun had stretched out all the hills, and now was dropped into the western bay. At last he rose, and twitched his mantle blue, tomorrow to fresh woods and pastures new. Adonais, an elegy on the death of John Keats, 
by Percy Bysshe Shelley. I weep for Adonais, he is dead. Oh, weep for Adonais, though our tears thaw not the frost which binds so dear a head. And thou, sad hour, selected from all years to mourn our loss, rise thy obscure compeers, and teach them thine own sorrow. Say, with me died Adonais, till the future dares forget the past, his fate and fame shall be an echo and a light unto eternity. Where wert thou, mighty mother, when he lay, when thy son lay, pierced by the shaft which flies in darkness? Where was lorn Urania when Adonais died? With veiled eyes, mid-listening echoes, in her paradise she sat, while one, with soft, enamored breath, rekindled all the fading melodies, with which, like flowers that mock the course beneath, he had adorned and hid the coming bulk of death. O oh, weep for Adonais, he is dead. Wake, melancholy mother, wake and weep. Yet wherefore? Quench within their burning bed thy fiery tears, and let thy loud heart keep like his a mute and uncomplaining sleep. For he is gone, where all things wise and fair descend. O oh, dream not that the amorous deep will yet restore him to the vital air. Death feeds on his mute voice and laughs at our despair. Most musical of mourners, weep again. Lament anew, Urania. He died, who was the sire of an immortal strain. Blind, old, and lonely, when his country's pride, the priest, the slave, and the liberticide, trampled and mocked with many a loathed rite of lust and blood. He went, unterrified, into the gulf of death, but his clear sprite yet reigns o'er earth, the third among the sons of light. Most musical of mourners, weep anew. Not all to that bright station dared to climb, and happier they their happiness who knew, whose tapers yet burned through that night of time in which suns perished. Others more sublime, struck by the envious wrath of man or God, have sunk, extinct in their refulgent prime and some yet live, treading the thorny road which leads through toil and hate to fame's serene abode. But now thy younger, dearest one has perished, the nursling of thy widowhood, who grew like a pale flower by some sad maiden cherished and fed with true love tears instead of dew. Most musical of mourners, weep anew. Thy extreme hope, the loveliest and the last, the bloom, whose petals nipped before they blew, died on the promise of the fruit, is waste. The broken lily lies. The storm is overpast. To that high capital, where kingly death keeps his pale court in beauty and decay, he came, and bought with price of purest breath a grave among the eternal. Come away. Haste while the vault of blue Italian day is yet his fitting charnel roof, while still he lies, as if in dewy sleep he lay, awake him not. Surely he takes his fill of deep and liquid rest, forgetful of all ill. He will awake no more, oh, never more. Within the twilight chamber spreads apace the shadow of white death, 
and at the door invisible corruption waits to trace his extreme way to her dim dwelling place. The eternal hunger sits, but pity and awe soothe her pale rage, nor dares she to deface so fair a prey till darkness and the law of change shall o'er his sleep the mortal curtain draw. O oh, weep for Adonais, the quick dreams, the passion-winged ministers of thought, who were his flocks, whom near the living streams of his young spirit he fed, and whom he taught the love which was its music, wander not, wander no more from kindling brain to brain, but droop there whence they sprung, and mourn their lot round the cold heart, where after their sweet pain they ne'er will gather strength or find a home again. And one with trembling hands clasps his cold head, and fans him with her moonlight wings, and cries, Our love, our hope, our sorrow is not dead. See on the silken fringe of his faint eyes, like dew upon a sleeping flower, there lies a tear some dream has loosened from his brain, lost angel of a ruined paradise. She knew not t'was her own, as with no stain she faded, like a cloud which had outwept its rain. One from a lucid urn of starry dew washed his light limbs as if embalming them. Another clipped her profuse locks and threw the wreath upon him like an anadem which frozen tears instead of pearls began. Another in her willful grief would break her bow and winged reeds as if to stem a greater loss with one who was more weak and dull the barbed fire against his frozen cheek. Another splendor on his mouth alit, that mouth whence it was wont to draw the breath which gave it strength to pierce the guarded wit, and pass into the panting heart beneath with lightning and with music. The damp death quenched its caress upon his icy lips, and as a dying meteor stains a wreath of moonlight vapor, which the cold night clips, it flushed through his pale limbs and passed to its eclipse. And others came, desires and adorations, winged persuasions and veiled destinies, splendors and glooms, and glimmering incarnations of hopes and fears, and twilight fantasies, and sorrow with her family of sighs, and pleasure, blind with tears, led by the gleam of her own dying smile instead of eyes, came in slow pomp. The moving pomp might seem like pageantry of mist, on an autumnal stream. All he had loved and molded into thought, from shape and hue and odor and sweet sound, lamented Adonais. Morning sought her eastern watchtower and her hair unbound, wet with the tears which should adorn the ground, dimmed the aerial eyes that kindled day, afar the melancholy thunder moaned, pale ocean in unquiet slumber lay and the wild winds flew round, sobbing in their dismay. Lost Echo sits amid the voiceless mountains, and feeds her grief with his remembered lay, and will no more reply to winds or fountains, or amorous birds perched on the young green spray, or herdman's horn or bell at closing day, since she can mimic not his lips, more dear than those for whose disdain she pined away into a shadow of all sounds, a drear murmur between their songs 
is all the woodsman here. Grief made the young spring wild, and she threw down her kindling buds as if she autumn were, or they dead leaves, since her delight is flown. For whom should she have waked the sullen year? To Phoebus was not Hyacinth so dear, nor to himself Narcissus, as to both thou, Adonais. Wan they stand and sear amid the faint companions of their youth, with dew all turned to tears, odor to sighing Ruth. Thy spirit's sister, the lorn nightingale, mourns not her mate with such melodious pain. Not so the eagle, who like thee could scale heaven, and could nourish in the sun's domain her mighty youth with mourning, doth complain, soaring and screaming round her empty nest, as Albion wails for thee. The curse of Cain light on his head who pierced thy innocent breast, and scared the angel's soul that was its earthly guest. Ah, woe is me! Winter is come and gone, but grief returns with the revolving year. The airs and streams renew their joyous tone, the ants, the bees, the swallows reappear. Fresh leaves and flowers deck the dead season's bier. The amorous birds now pair in every break and build their mossy homes in field and brier. And the green lizard and the golden snake like unimprisoned flames out of their trance awake. Through wood and stream and field and hill and ocean, a quickening life from the earth's heart has burst, as it has ever done, with change and motion, from the great morning of the world when first God dawned on chaos. In its stream immersed, the lamps of heaven flash with a softer light. All baser things pant with life's sacred thirst diffuse themselves, and spend in love's delight the beauty and joy of their renewed might. The leprous corpse, touched by this spirit tender, exhales itself in flowers of gentle breath, like incarnations of the stars when splendor is changed to fragrance. They illuminate death and mock the merry worm that wakes beneath. Naught we know dies. Shall that alone which knows be as a sword consumed before the sheath by sightless lightning? The intense atom glows a moment, then is quenched in a most cold repose. Alas, that all we loved of him should be, but for our grief, as if it had not been, and grief itself be mortal. Woe is me! Whence are we and why are we? Of what scene the actors or spectators? Great and mean meet mast in death, who lends what life must borrow. As long as skies are blue and fields are green, evening must usher night, night urge the morrow, month follow month with woe, and year wake year to sorrow. He will awake no more, O oh, nevermore. Wake thou, cried misery, Childless mother, rise out of thy sleep and slake in thy heart's core a wound more fierce than his, with tears and sighs. And all the dreams that watched Urania's eyes and all the echoes whom their sister's song had held in holy silence cried, Arise! Swift as a thought by the snake memory stung, from her ambrosial rest the fading splendor sprung. She rose like an autumnal night, that springs out of the east and follows wild and drear the golden day, 
which on eternal wings, even as a ghost abandoning a bier, had left the earth a corpse. Sorrow and fear so struck, so roused, so rapt Urania, so saddened round her like an atmosphere of stormy mist, so swept her on her way even to the mournful place where Adonais lay. Out of her secret paradise she sped, through camps and cities rough with stone and steel and human hearts, which to her airy tread yielding not, wounded the invisible palms of her tender feet where'er they fell. And barbed tongues and thoughts more sharp than they rent the soft form they never could repel, whose sacred blood, like the young tears of May, paved with eternal flowers that undeserving way. In the death-chamber for a moment death, shamed by the presence of that living might, blushed to annihilation, and the breath revisited those lips, and life's pale light flashed through those limbs, so late her dear delight. Leave me not wild and drear and comfortless, as silent lightning leaves the starless night. Leave me not, cried Urania. Her distress roused death. Death rose and smiled and met her vain caress. Stay yet a while, speak to me once again, kiss me, so long but as a kiss may live, and in my heartless breast and burning brain that word, that kiss, shall all thoughts else survive, with food of saddest memory kept alive, now thou art dead, as if it were a part of thee, my Adonais. I would give all that I am to be as thou now wert but I am chained to time and cannot thence depart. O gentle child, beautiful as thou wert, why didst thou leave the trodden paths of men too soon, and with weak hands through mighty heart dare the unpastured dragon in his den? Defenseless as thou wert, O where was then wisdom the mirrored shield or scorn the spear? Or hadst thou waited the full cycle when thy spirit should have filled its crescent sphere, the monsters of life's waste had fled from thee like deer. The herded wolves, bold only to pursue, the obscene ravens clamorous o'er the dead, the vultures to the conqueror's banner true, who feed where desolation first has fed, and whose wings reign contagion. How they fled when, like Apollo, from his golden bow the Pythian of the age one arrow sped and smiled. The spoilers tempt no second blow. They fawn on the proud feet that spurn them lying low. The sun comes forth, and many reptiles spawn. He sets, and each ephemeral insect then is gathered into death without a dawn, and the immortal stars wake again. So is it in the world of living men. A godlike mind soars forth, in its delight making earth bare and veiling heaven. And when it sinks, the swarms that dimmed or shared its light leave to its kindred lamps the spirit's awful night. Thus ceased she, and the mountain shepherds came, their garlands sear, their magic mantles rent, the pilgrim of eternity, whose fame over his living head like heaven is bent, an early but enduring monument came, veiling all the lightnings of his song in sorrow. From her wilds, Ierne sent the sweetest lyrist of her saddest wrong, and love taught grief to fall like music from his tongue. 
Midst others of less note came one frail form, a phantom among men, companionless as the last cloud of an expiring storm whose thunder is its knell. He, as I guess, had gazed on nature's naked loveliness, Actian-like, and now he fled astray with feeble steps o'er the world's wilderness, and his own thoughts along that rugged way pursued like raging hounds their father and their prey. A pard-like spirit beautiful and swift, a love in desolation masked, a power girt round with weakness, it can scarce uplift the weight of the superincumbent hour. It is a dying lamp, a falling shower, a breaking billow. Even whilst we speak, is it not broken? On the withering flower the killing sun smiles brightly. On a cheek the life can burn in blood, even whilst the heart may break. His head was bound with pansies overblown, and faded violets white and pied and blue, and a light spear topped with a cypress cone, round whose rude shaft dark ivy tresses grew, yet dripping with the forest's noonday dew, vibrated as the ever-beating heart shook the weak hand that grasped it. Of that crew he came the last, neglected and apart, a herd-abandoned deer struck by the hunter's dart. All stood aloof, and at his partial moan smiled through their tears, well knew that gentle band who in another's fate now wept his own, as in the accents of an unknown land he sung new sorrow. Sad Urania scanned the stranger's mien and murmured, Who art thou? He answered not, but with a sudden hand made bare his branded and ensanguined brow, which was like Cain's or Christ's. Oh, that it should be so! What softer voice is hushed over the dead? Athwart what brow is that dark mantle thrown? What form leans sadly o'er the white deathbed in mockery of monumental stone, the heavy heart heaving without a moan? If it be he who, gentlest of the wise, taught, soothed, loved, honored the departed one, let me not vex, Within harmonious sighs the silence of that heart's accepted sacrifice. Our Adonais has drunk poison, oh! What deaf and viperous murder could crown life's early cup with such a draught of woe? The nameless worm would now itself disown. It felt yet could escape the magic tone whose prelude held all envy, hate, and wrong. But what was howling in one breast alone silent with expectation of the song, whose master's hand is cold, whose silver lyre unstrung. Live thou, whose infamy is not thy fame. Live. Fear no heavier chastisement from me, thou noteless blot on a remembered name. But be thyself, and know thyself to be. And ever at thy season be thou free to spill the venom when thy fangs overflow. Remorse and self-contempt shall cling to thee, hot shame shall burn upon thy secret brow, and like a beaten hound tremble thou shalt, as now. Nor let us weep that our delight is fled, far from these carrion kites that scream below. He wakes or sleeps with the enduring dead. Thou canst not soar where he is sitting now. Dust to the dust, 
but the pure spirit shall flow back to the burning fountain whence it came, a portion of the eternal, which must glow through time and change, unquenchably the same, whilst thy cold embers choke the sordid hearth of shame. Peace, peace, he is not dead, he doth not sleep, he hath awakened from the dream of life. Tis we who, lost in stormy visions, keep with phantoms an unprofitable strife, and in mad trance strike with our spirit's knife invulnerable nothings. We decay like corpses in a charnel. Fear and grief convulse us and consume us day by day, and cold hopes swarm like worms within our living clay. He has outsoared the shadow of our night, Envy and calumny and hate and pain, And that unrest which men miscall delight, Can touch him not and torture not again. From the contagion of the world's slow stain He is secure, and now can never mourn A heart grown cold, a head grown gray in vain. Nor when the spirit's self has ceased to burn, With sparkless ashes load an unlamented urn. He lives, he wakes, tis death is dead, not he. Mourn not for Adonais, thou young dawn, turn all thy dew to splendor. For from thee the spirit thou lamentest is not gone. Ye caverns and ye forests, cease to moan. Cease, ye faint flowers and fountains, and thou air, which like a morning veil thy scarf hadst thrown o'er the abandoned earth, now leave it bare even to the joyous stars which smile on its despair. He is made one with nature. There is heard his voice in all her music, from the moan of thunder to the song of night's sweet bird. He is a presence to be felt and known in darkness and in light, from herb and stone, spreading itself wherever that power may move which has withdrawn his being to its own, which wields the world with never-wearied love, sustains it from beneath, and kindles it from above. He is a portion of the loveliness which once he made more lovely. He doth bear his part, while the one spirit's plastic stress sweeps through the dull, dense world, compelling there all new successions to the forms they wear, torturing the unwilling dross that checks its flight to its own likeness, as each mass may bear, and bursting in its beauty and its might from trees and beasts and men into the heaven's light. The splendors of the firmament of time may be eclipsed, but are extinguished not. Like stars to their appointed height they climb, and death is a low mist which cannot blot the brightness it may veil. When lofty thought lifts a young heart above its mortal lair, and love and life contend in it for what shall be its earthly doom, the dead live there and move like winds of light on dark and stormy air. The inheritors of unfulfilled renown rose from their thrones, built beyond mortal thought, far in the unapparent. Chatterton rose pale, his solemn agony had not yet faded from him. Sidney, as he fought and as he fell and as he lived and loved sublimely mild, a spirit without spot, arose. And Lucan, by his death approved, oblivion as they rose shrank like a thing reproved and many more whose names on earth are dark, but whose transmitted affluence cannot die so long as fire outlives the parent spark, rose, 
robed in dazzling immortality. Thou art become as one of us, they cry. It was for thee yon kingless sphere has long swung blind in an unascended majesty, silent alone amid a heaven of song. Assume thy winged throne, thou vesper of our throng. Who mourns for Adonais? O come forth, fond wretch, and know thyself and him aright. Clasp with thy panting soul the pendulous earth, as from a center dart thy spirit's light beyond all worlds, until its spacious might satiate the void's circumference. Then shrink even to a point within our day and night, and keep thy heart light, lest it make thee sink when hope has kindled hope and lured thee to the brink. Or go to Rome, which is the sepulchre, O not of him, but of our joy. Tis not that ages, empires, and religions there lie buried in the ravage they have wrought. For such as he can lend, they borrow not glory from those who made the world their prey. And he is gathered to the kings of thought who wagged contention with their time's decay, and of the past are all that cannot pass away. Go thou to Rome, at once the paradise, the grave, the city, and the wilderness, and where it wrecks like shattered mountains rise, and flowering weeds and fragrant copses dress the bones of desolation's nakedness pass, till the spirit of the spot shall lead thy footsteps to a slope of green access, where, like an infant's smile, over the dead a light of laughing flowers along the grass is spread. And gray walls molder round, on which dull time feeds like slow fire upon a hoary brand, and one keen pyramid with wedge sublime, pavilioning the dust of him who planned this refuge for his memory, doth stand like flame transformed to marble, and beneath a field is spread, on which a newer band have pitched in heaven's smile their camp of death, welcoming him we lose with scarce extinguished breath. Here pause. These graves are all too young as yet to have outgrown the sorrow which consigned its charge to each. And if the seal is set, here on one fountain of a mourning mind, break it not thou. Too surely shalt thou find thine own well full, if thou returnest home, of tears and gall. From the world's bitter wind seek shelter in the shadow of the tomb. What Adonais is, why fear we to become? The one remains, the many change and pass. Heaven's light forever shines, earth's shadows fly. Life, like a dome of many-colored glass, stains the white radiance of eternity until death tramples it to fragments. Die, if thou wouldst be with that which thou dost seek. Follow where all is fled. Rome's azure sky, flowers, ruins, statues, music, words, are weak the glory they transfuse with fitting truth to speak. Why linger? Why turn back? Why shrink, my heart? Thy hopes are gone before. From all things here they have departed. Thou shouldst now depart. A light is passed from the revolving year, and man and woman and what still is dear attracts to crush, repels to make thee wither. The soft sky smiles, the low wind whispers near, 
Tis Adonais calls, O hasten thither, no more let life divide what death can join together. That light whose smile kindles the universe, that beauty in which all things work and move, that benediction which the eclipsing curse of birth can quench not, that sustaining love which through the web of being blindly wove by man and beast and earth and air and sea burns bright or dim, as each are mirrors of the fire for which all thirst, now beams on me, consuming the last clouds of cold mortality. The breath whose might I have invoked in song descends on me. My spirit's bark is driven far from the shore, far from the trembling throng whose sails were never to the tempest given. The massy earth and sphered skies are riven. I am borne darkly, fearfully, afar, whilst burning through the inmost veil of heaven, the soul of Adonais, like a star, beacons from the abode where the Eternal are. Ode to the West Wind by Percy Bysshe Shelley O wild west wind, thou breath of autumn's being, thou from whose unseen presence the leaves dead are driven, like ghosts from an enchanter fleeing, yellow and black and pale and hectic red, pestilence-stricken multitudes, O thou who charietest to their dark wintry bed the winged seeds, where they lie cold and low, each like a corpse within its grave, until thine azure sister of the spring shall blow her clarion o'er the dreaming earth, and fill, driving sweet buds like flocks to feed in air, with living hues and odors, plain and hill. Wild spirit, which art moving everywhere, destroyer and preserver, hear, O oh hear! Thou on whose stream, mid the steep sky's commotion, Loose clouds like earth's decaying leaves are shed, Shook from the tangled boughs of heaven and ocean, Angels of rain and lightning. There are spread on the blue surface of thine airy surge, Like the bright hair uplifted from the head of some fierce maenad, Even from the dim verge of the horizon to the zenith's height, The locks of the approaching storm. Thou dirge of the dying year, to which this closing night will be the dome of a vast sepulchre, vaulted with all thy congregated might, of vapors from whose solid atmosphere black rain and fire and hail will burst, O oh, hear! Thou who didst waken from his summer dreams the blue Mediterranean where he lay, lulled by the coil of his crystalline streams, Beside a pumice isle in Baye's bay, and saw in sleep old palaces and towers quivering within the waves in tenser day. All overgrown with azure moss and flowers so sweet, the sense faints picturing them. Thou for whose path the Atlantic's level powers cleave themselves into chasms, while far below the sea blooms and the oozy woods which wear the sapless foliage of the ocean, know thy voice, and suddenly grow gray with fear, and tremble, and despoil themselves. O oh, hear! If I were a dead leaf thou mightest bear, if I were a swift cloud to fly with thee, 
a wave to pant beneath thy power and share the impulse of thy strength, only less free than thou, O uncontrollable. If even I were as in my boyhood and could be the comrade of thy wanderings over heaven, as then, when to outstrip thy skyey speed scarce seemed a vision, I would ne'er have striven as thus with thee in prayer in my sore need. O lift me as a wave, a leaf, a cloud. I fall upon the thorns of life. I bleed. A heavy weight of ours has chained and bowed one too like thee, tameless and swift and proud. Make me thy lyre even as the forest is. What if my leaves are falling like its own? The tumult of thy mighty harmonies will take from both a deep autumnal tone, sweet though in sadness. Be thou, spirit fierce, my spirit. Be thou me, impetuous one. Drive my dead thoughts over the universe like withered leaves to quicken a new birth, and by the incantation of this verse scatter as from an unextinguished hearth ashes and sparks my words among mankind. Be through my lips to unawakened earth the trumpet of a prophecy. O wind, if winter comes, can spring be far behind? Hymn to Intellectual Beauty by Percy Bysshe Shelley the awful shadow of some unseen power floats though unseen among us, visiting this various world with as inconstant wing as summer winds that creep from flower to flower. Like moonbeams that behind some piney mountain shower, it visits with inconstant glance each human heart and countenance, like hues and harmonies of evening, like clouds in starlight widely spread, like memory of music fled like aught that for its grace may be dear, and yet dearer for its mystery. Spirit of beauty, that dost consecrate with thine own hues all thou dost shine upon of human thought or form, where art thou gone? Why dost thou pass away and leave our state, this dim vast veil of tears vacant and desolate? Ask why the sunlight not forever weaves rainbows o'er yon mountain river, why aught should fail and fade that once is shown, why fear and dream and death and birth cast on the daylight of this earth such gloom, why man has such a scope for love and hate, despondency and hope. No voice from some sublimer world hath ever to sage or poet these responses given. Therefore the names of demon, ghost, and heaven remain the records of their vain endeavor, Frail spells whose uttered charm might not avail to sever from all we hear and all we see, doubt, chance, and mutability. Thy light alone, like mist or mountains driven, or music by the night wind sent through strings of some still instrument, or moonlight on a midnight stream, gives grace and truth to life's unquiet dream. Love, hope, and self-esteem like clouds depart and come, for some uncertain moments lent. Man were immortal and omnipotent, didst thou, unknown and awful as thou art, keep with thy glorious train firm state within his heart? Thou messenger of sympathies, that wax and wane in lovers' eyes, 
Thou that to human thought art nourishment, like darkness to a dying flame, depart not as thy shadow came, depart not, lest the grave should be like life and fear, a dark reality. While yet a boy I sought for ghosts, and sped through many a listening chamber, cave and ruin, and starlight wood, with fearful steps pursuing hopes of high talk with the departed dead. I called on poisonous names with which our youth is fed. I was not heard. I saw them not. When musing deeply on the lot of life, at that sweet time when winds are wooing all vital things that wake to bring news of birds and blossoming, sudden thy shadow fell on me. I shrieked and clasped my hands in ecstasy. I vowed that I would dedicate my powers to thee and thine, have I not kept the vow? With beating heart and streaming eyes, even now I call the phantoms of a thousand hours, each from his voiceless grave. They have envisioned bowers of studious zeal or love's delight, outwatched with me the envious night. They know that never joy illumined my brow, unlinked with hope that thou wouldst free this world from its dark slavery, that thou, O awful loveliness, which give whatever these words cannot express. The day becomes more solemn and serene when noon is past. There is a harmony in autumn and a luster in its sky, which through the summer is not heard or seen, as if it could not be, as if it had not been. Thus let thy power, which like the truth of nature on my passive youth descended, to my onward life supply its calm to one who worships thee, and every form containing thee, whom, spirit fair, thy spells did bind to fear himself and love all humankind. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to another session of Just Listen by visiting your Nashville Public Library website at library.nashville.org.